Hello and welcome to She Loves, a new podcast that's produced by Vivolution to celebrate, inspire and empower women creating positive change in the world. I'm Lois and today I sat down with my wonderful co-host Rachel to chat to all-round beauty queen Anna from The Conscious Beauty Company. We talked about the beauty industry, sustainability and women in business amongst other things. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So hello and welcome to the She Loves podcast. We've got Anna here today from the Conscious hello. Beauty Company. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anna. We're both extremely passionate about the Conscious Beauty Company and everything that you, you stand for. I personally love seeing another Northern woman smashing it. Yes, yes. Oh, the Northern Northerners around here. <laughs> Tell us about the Conscious Beauty Company. How did you come up with the idea? What was it like setting it up? Um, yes, well, to be honest, I think in terms of being conscious about waste and consumerism, I guess I've always kind of had those um, those values because um, I remember my dad growing up was militant about recycling. And also uh, our next door neighbor, Frank, um, actually had a zero waste store in the local town. Oh, wow. And yeah, this was like back in the early nineties. And my mom used to take us there every week and we'd shop all, you know, like our zero waste essentials, like, well, that's what they're calling them these days. Yeah. I mean, back then it was just, you know, you went, you filled up your container. Um, and I think, you know, for my mum, it was purely like a cost saving thing. Um, and because she wanted a kitchen to look nice. So she had all the fancy jars with, you know, yeah, pastas and jars, yeah, yeah, and uh, cereals and things like that in. So we used to go uh, with my mum on the weekends to this zero waste store and actually fill the containers. And looking back on it, you know, I realised actually um, that was a, a super conscious mm-hmm. move on my my mum's behalf. You know, mm-hmm. to kind of um, to kind of be doing that. And I think really for me, when it it kind of dawned on me from a beauty perspective, was probably around six or seven years ago. And I was in my flat in London packing my fashion week kit um, for my makeup kit for fashion week, and I'd had an order delivered to. Um, to unpack and I was unpacking all my palettes and my eyeshadows and I remember just at the end of it being sat in my bedroom and there was tons and tons of plastic tester packaging Mm -hmm. just surrounded by it it was just unbelievable and thinking to myself wow we can't possibly as a as a as a beauty industry carry on like this you know you you get an eyeshadow tester and it's wrapped in double the amount of plastic um and it gave me the like a it was a bit of a, a panicked feeling, really. Um, you know, so from then on, I always was responsible for, you know, recycling mm-hmm. all of the tester pans in the office and was, you know, like my father, quite militant about doing so. Um, and I think looking back on my career in beauty as well and just, you know, the, the, all of the brands that I've, I've worked for in the past and you know, thinking about all the limited edition collections and, you know, all of the, you know, even getting an order in, you know, mm-hmm. you'd unpack an order and it'd come wrapped in tons of plastic. And, you know, that got me thinking about the industry as a whole. Um, and it was when I launched my first brand, um, which was a vegan disco lipstick inspired brand. Wow. And I started to look into the process of um, manufacturing mm-hmm. and making my own products that I realized that it was so hard to find packaging 
that was sustainable. You know, it was virtually impossible, especially for liquid products. Um, and that got me thinking about my routine and where I generated the most waste. And yeah. the answer was the bathroom. Yeah. You know, I wash my hair every day, which is one plastic shampoo bottle every single month that I was recycling. And I just thought, right, there must be a better solution. And that's how I came up with the idea for the CBC. So it was almost, you know, I think built on values, I think built on um, the development of the, my first brand, which kind of led me to this to this brand. And so what was what was the process like? Because I, I believe, that, you know, there's so many terms these days and it's so difficult to be sustainable and to be the most like zero waste that you can be yeah what was the process like for creating those products and deciding actually this is what I want it to look like and we're going to use this material and everything like that um do you know what I think it was um I mean I kind of saw the future of refillable beauty I think quite a long time ago um I kind of had an instinct that the industry would just literally get to this point where it would explode Mm. and you know brands would really need to sit up and take note of you know what was actually happening you know and um, I think it was purely from a research perspective and I mean the the type of packaging that I'm using you know I just got creative with the sort of packaging that's available so um, you know really looked at what options there were other than a a plastic Mm -hmm. bottle to put a shampoo in for instance and it was through that kind of research you know I I found you know baby food pouches um, and I thought I wonder if we could put a shampoo in those so it's kind of like trial and error really and just really thinking outside the box um, with what was available because there isn't that much available right now from packaging manufacturers I knew also that um, you know, I thought aluminium was knew that was a great material. You know, it's infinite, infinitely yeah. recyclable. Um, so that seemed like the obvious choice for the the, the reusable bottles. Um, I also think materials like glass and things like that. You know, from a practical standpoint, in your shower, um, in your Don't shower, that. not that great. No. So um, yeah, it was kind of. I think the bottles were the easiest part to 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 find. It was more the pouches really that mm. that was difficult to um, to source, and it, it was a bit of creative thinking really. And you know, it's something that we're we're still really looking to improve as well to kind mm. of find a fully reusable option. I think it's a case of you know with this whole story around packaging. I think it's a, it's a continued evolution. Yeah. Um, you know, we're constantly researching every single day, every single week on alternative materials and I think as the industry develops and and grows and technology becomes better there there are going to be more options I think yeah but it's great that you're like leading the way yeah yeah there is options like that out there yeah because I know I've tried the shampoo bars before and that's great but I can never find like a conditioner or something yeah yeah that's a bar yeah it's so good to have that liquid option yeah of course I think that was something you know the the shampoo bar has become quite popular hasn't it mm-hmm. over the last Definitely. last two years especially but you know I don't really like using them I know mm. a lot of our customers have said you know they just don't get on with shampoo bars yeah. so it's yeah. great that we're offering a liquid alternative Definitely. Yeah, it is. in terms of the beauty industry then I know you touched on that but how do you see that going in the future do you think that these brands are just going to go out of business if they don't take no or do you think that yeah I mean it is such a, a huge problem because you know you only need to go into you know a high street store like boots for example to see every single product i mean there's so many products you know the whole supply chain is just i mean it's massive 
So brands are definitely more conscious, but it's going to be the smaller brands that are leading the conversation and I think are leading the movement. Mm. Um, I definitely think that if brands don't adopt more sustainable practices, then yeah, they're not going to have a good chance in the future at all. Mm. Um, and I think for all these new brands that are coming through, I, I think it's has to be a key fundamental part of, of the strategy to, to, to have sustainability somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I think in your messaging or you know your packaging or your formulas, um, you know because customers are becoming increasingly savvy. You know, and they're not believing the hype anymore that these beauty brands are. Are claiming you know mm-hmm. so I think with that in mind brands can't lie they've not got as much power anymore with the consumer so you know everything yeah. down to the supply chain needs to have 100% transparency I think yeah. Yeah. in order for for brands to kind of stay definitely in definitely. line and have a market share really yeah and I think as well consumers have that responsibility to choose organic ethical products as much as the businesses do to create them like we do need to be making those conscious choices and we are becoming a lot more savvy yeah with it yeah Yeah. well definitely and I think the consumer does have so much more power these days yeah um you know we the, the the first thing that that we wanted to do when we launched this brand was listen to the consumer so mm-hmm. I think to you know really drive a, a purpose-led business and a sustainable business is about listening to the consumer I think more than ever because yeah. by listening to our customers we're only going to create products that they want and therefore minimize creating products that they don't which then go to waste then go to waste yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, I think it's especially important for, for sustainable businesses to actually allow the consumer to kind of lead um, mm-hmm. the development and you know, lead the the strategy really for the mm-hmm. brand um, by communicating to the brands what they want. And then we were doing a bit of research and say like greenwashing, where we and kind of yeah, the tr- the struggle that that is to to stand out. And there's no there's no laws surrounding it, right? Am I correct in thinking that there's not? Yeah, brands yeah. Can brands can call themselves sustainable without yeah. saying? And there is a lot of confusion, I guess, with being organic and being cruelty free and being mm. vegan and mm. all these kind of labels that products put on to sell. Yeah, yeah. That that drives me crazy actually. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I think whilst you know we're the first to admit that we're not perfect, you know. On our website, you can go on there. I mean, there's FAQs literally for days yeah. about every everything about our products. You know, we tell you where it's been made. We tell you where the packaging's been sourced. We have a, a really comprehensive ingredients list, which tells you every ingredient in the product, what it does. Um, and I just believe in honesty, really. You know, I don't like being lied to when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm buying a product. And I think you know, I've been in this industry for long enough. And to know the tactics that beauty brands use to actually make a customer buy a product. Yeah. Um, so for us, you know, I think it's it's fundamental that, that we have that transparency. And if we say it's natural, then it is natural. You know, our, our products aren't 100% natural, 98 to 99% natural. You know, and we'll say that and we'll single out the ingredient that... Isn't, that isn't yeah. yeah you know so again I think it just comes down to customers are so much more savvy and I mean we're getting questions off customers that are really delving into the ins and outs of your business and being like right well I've read somewhere that that ingredient is actually derived from palm oil and we're like is it you know we're kind of second yeah. guessing ourselves yeah. but you know it's it's amazing that customers have that passion 
you yeah. know, and they want to know about it. And that's the thing, they're almost kind of pushing you to improve on your values yeah. and fully assess the entire kind of supply chain yeah. of every single yeah. element that maybe you don't over you kind of overlook to an extent. Yeah, yeah completely. I think when we um when we launched I think one of the first posts we put up on Instagram was an unboxing video. Mm-hmm. And the type of audience I that know we, what's coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the type of audience that we initially, you know, when you when you start a brand you're kind of going through a lot of testing, you know, on your social media just to see you know, who are the customers that are, are going to engage with this product? And the super eco-conscious consumers, I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, it opened up this massive tirade of comments on our Instagram about the fact that the pumps were still plastic and, you know, you, those pouches are made of plastic. And, I mean, you know, I loved it, if I'm completely honest, yeah. because it was all that kind of constructive, critical feedback that I think brands really need to listen to it was great seeing how passionate people were about the issue and about having sustainably packaged products yeah. you know because it just made us want to improve you know and really um identify those holes in our business um and become even more transparent mm. about our processes but it probably equally like encourages you and you're like oh yeah i'm onto something here yeah like, people are asking for this exactly yeah i'm gonna give it them yeah totally yeah we sort of touched on it before about being you you know you being a woman and everything and you set up your business it's your second startup that's so mm. cool um, in 18, 18 months <laughs> two in 18 months that's impressive yeah, yeah <laughs> which is yeah I mean yeah <laughs> yeah and have you how have you found that because I I don't really know much about the business world but I'm starting to learn that it's quite male dominated yeah, yeah. and especially when you're looking for investment I assume mm. that it's also a very male dominated mm. area. How yeah. have you found, have you experienced anything that you think if you, had you been a man, you wouldn't have experienced or? I mean, I've got a really funny story that, should I tell you? Well, yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. so, <laughs> yeah, so sadly, I mean, I've actually, most of the investors that I have right now, I've got a mix of male and female, but um, most of my investors are male. Um, amazing team of investors, you know, um, really helpful really knowledgeable um so i've been really lucky with this business with my last business i think that being a female who runs a beauty business especially i do think there are men that like to take advantage of that so um i actually flew to spain once to meet an investor that long and short of it was a money launderer <laughs> Oh, oh wow! I wanted to launder money through my business, and this person, what? yeah, this person posed as a perfectly legitimate investor. I mean, all his references checked out. You know, my partner, who is very intelligent, I was like, couldn't believe it. You know, about what had happened. You know, reading back through all this communication, I probably had like three or four phone calls with him. Everything checked out. So I flew to Spain to meet him, which I think, looking back. I mean, that was a bit dodgy, but um, I just didn't think of it at the time. You know, you're a young, passionate yeah. entrepreneur. You're starting a business. You know, you you want to raise funds because yeah. you want to progress. You want to take every opportunity. Yeah, of yeah. course. And unfortunately, there's people that want to take advantage of that. So um, I kind of soon realised quite early on in the conversation with him face to face that he was basically up to no good. Oh, God. Um, I kind of made my... Uh, excuses and and left but um it was actually that moment where i'd already started to develop the conscious beauty company around the same time as my first business and i think it was that moment when i was sat in luton airport at 
midnight (laughs) absolutely exhausted and just you know annoyed and just feeling like I'd been taken advantage Advantage of and that kind of made me gave me that rocket fuel that I needed to to say right actually I don't know if this is working Mm. I think I need to develop this this other concept and I kind of pivoted quite quite soon after that but yeah there's there's a lot I think there's a lot of men that men I guess and women as well really but mainly men that want to take advantage I think they see that you've got something of value and it's how do they exploit that which I I just find really sad to be honest you know when you've got these young entrepreneurs that are just trying to start businesses and make a difference and you know it's hard enough yeah without flying to Spain to me sunny yeah yeah do you know what yeah do you know what it was actually a really nice sunny day yeah it was and I went for a little glass of wine afterwards you know Sangria. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sangria by the sea. Yeah. <laughs> All you need. Yeah. Okay, and do you have any inspirational women that inspired you to do this? I know you've talked about your mum quite a bit, but... Yeah, um, when I was actually thinking about the idea of starting a business, I remember just mentioning it in passing, like, when I was, like, 25, when I was working for Mac at the time. And I was saying, you know, I want to have my own business where I'm making money for myself and I'm making a difference. Um yeah. And I kind of parked that idea and I didn't really think about it again properly until um, probably my late 20s, like coming into my 30s. I went to a talk at the Glamour Beauty Festival um, and I remember Marsha Kilgore was one of the keynote speakers there and she's the founder of Bliss and Beauty Pie. I don't know whether you've heard oh, of that yes, brand. Yes. Really, really inspirational mm-hmm. businesswoman. And she was just, I mean, she just absolutely blew me away. You know, she'd had not one, but two three successful businesses and she was about to launch another one and it was just that moment and I thought wow that's my that that's what I want that's what I aspire to that's my yeah. next move you know and it really got me thinking about um starting a business um and then later on actually I met Jo Malone um oh, well, she wow. was yeah <laughs> she was speaking um at a conference and she again was just amazing absolutely amazing you know I've, I've been fortunate really I think I've, I've been surrounded by quite a lot of incredible women in in the beauty space that have really you know kind of championed female entrepreneurs and and really made a difference and she's you know what she's just so lovely and down to earth and just you know really you can tell she's really passionate about wanting to help other female entrepreneurs get ahead as well Mm -hmm. holly tucker's another amazing inspirational um lady so she was the founder of not on the high street um and she does various festivals at the moment which i've actually been involved with um with nat west and um you know it's all about entrepreneurs and you know female entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and building a business and yeah i mean there's so much more information now than there was you know it's actually we're quite lucky really that we we have access to all of these you know incredible workshops and, and talks and accelerators as well um, I can imagine it was a bit tougher back, back then, in the day. Yeah, setting up. Yeah, yeah. Because I I read a stat the other day that was something like if they if women founded businesses grew as fast as men's. Yeah. They would contribute like two hundred and fifty billion pounds to the UK economy. Yeah, yeah. Is it? That's crazy. a lot of money. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of money that's so, being overlooked. Yeah, massively. completely. And you do you do feel it? I mean, I'm not. 
I wouldn't say I'm a feminist and I'm not completely, you know, um, against, I guess, men in business, you know, no, but no, at the same yeah. time, you do really notice it. Mm. it and it, it's, it's kind of something that isn't super obvious, but you just notice it. You, you know, there's just not as many women. No, it's definitely there. Yeah, yeah. What would you, what would your advice be then to somebody, to another woman who was wanting to start her own business? Not necessarily a beauty business, but yeah. could be any type. Um, I think support network is everything. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so for me, I didn't realise how much actually that I valued being part of a team as much as when I went to set up my first business. And I found it extremely lonely, quite helpless at times because you, you know, it's hard starting a business anyway. You know, you're constantly unsure of whether you're making the right decisions. You know, you make heaps of mistakes mm -hmm. and I think had I have had a, a stronger support network around me then I think I would have found it a lot easier um, I really think I came into my own when I actually came into you know the accelerator program um, at NatWest which has been incredible for me um, and was surrounded by a lot of other like-minded entrepreneurs male and female really I think you you do really need you know, even, even the support network from your family, from your friends, having a supportive partner, I think is everything. Yeah. Because it's those times when it's really, really tough, you know, especially in the first two years that you really need those people to be able to... Lean on. To lean on, yeah. 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 And I think just do it. Just literally get out there yeah. and do it. Yeah. Because you only learn by, by, by doing, doing it. Yeah. And yeah. making by those mistakes. You yeah. have to. And I've, I've only just started to value those mistakes now. Whereas I hated making mistakes. 18 months ago, I felt like a failure. I was like, should I even be doing this? Whereas now I realize that those mistakes that I've made have just made me Who you better. Are. Yeah. yeah, and it's character building. You know, yeah, it really massively. kind of defines your future path. So it's important to, to recognize those mistakes actually as positive things mm -hmm. that you can learn from. I'm gonna backtrack. Yeah, of one. course. Yeah. I know you mentioned obviously you were kind of heavily involved in the makeup industry. What kind of brands were you working for back then? Were you kind of like working independently, freelance, and how did you find that? I know you mentioned was it Nars? Yeah. 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 So Before, I previously. Yeah, it was it was quite lucky because I worked for the the biggest brands really. So uh, I think my first role was um, with Bobby Brown. So I was wow. just a counter girl mm -hmm. um, at Bobby Brown. Um, then I moved to London, worked for Mac. Between then, I think I took a break of around a year and uh, assisted some of the biggest makeup artists. So worked across shoots for Vogue magazine and worked wow. on Fashion Week and you know really had that kind of um, incredible opportunity to kind of really see mm -hmm. the makeup industry from kind of the fashion yeah. world. I guess the makeup industry, what everyone thinks the makeup industry is like, it's, you yeah. know, it's Fashion Week and it's all that glamour. And I realised actually quite quickly that that side of the industry I didn't really like. It's actually quite female dominated, the makeup industry, yeah. you know, as you, as you can imagine. But yeah, it was just very, put it this way, it gave me the strength and it kind of um, gave me um, a layer of confidence yeah. and grit that I didn't have before because mm. literally what you see on these documentaries like The Devil Wears Prada and things like that it can actually be like that it's all true isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah completely an oh and yeah. um you know I think that made me realize actually that I preferred to be on the more commercial side yeah. of the business working for brands and again that kind of shaped where I am now because I had the experience then of 
working in global roles um, for brands. So my last role at NARS, it was a, a global role where I worked really closely with the founder, um, with the MPD teams to really define the makeup trends and define the product launches for the brand, managed a team and mentored a team of around 400 artists, which was incredible, wow. travelled the world. So it was a fantastic role. <laughs> yeah, but I think that enabled me to, to really see yeah. the... The, the side, gaps of, yeah, in the market yeah, and what yeah. needed to be changed, I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think also what it, it it gave me some insight on what it took to actually build a beauty business. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the first part of my career gave me that grit and that determination, and that I guess that persistence and that perseverance that I think you need. Yeah when you're building a business because makeup isn't an easy career to get into. No. You know, it's very very competitive, yeah. and you know I, I did have seven years of really really struggling and and kind of like working my way to to the top so I think yeah both both sides of my career have really taught me quite a lot actually in makeup I think when it comes to to launching a business it's kind of gave me that character and that strength and the knowledge and the know-how to to be able to do what I'm doing now Mm. really and that thick skin yeah when people tell you no you're like yes actually yeah (laughs) absolutely very interesting for such a female dominated industry that it's still they're almost we all attack each other yeah completely like we should be championing each other Mm. like not stepping on each other's yeah like yeah completely to get to the top but that is just that's interesting that that's how that industry is built on yeah yeah that's what I think I hated the most about Mm. actually um moving away from the commit I think it's the safety of a commercial brand that I actually really liked and I always liked the business side of it and then removing myself from that and actually working with these massive makeup Mm. artists at the top level Mm. it was it was a lot of backstabbing it was a lot of pretense and you know um just not what I was about at all and I guess there's no there's no consumer contact there exactly when yeah. you're working on the yeah. counter you see customers every you lose day. touch with the reality actually yeah you know it's, it's a bit of a bubble and it's kind of really um so far removed from the actual real world um and that's just not what I'm about no. you know I really I live in the real world and I yeah. like living in the real world and you know being with real people and it's true that was a side of of the job that I really missed but I've, yeah I've had a good career I have I think as I've said it's all kind of shaped me into this yeah. person that I am today yeah and I guess the Conscious Beauty Company would never start yeah exactly for that. of course yeah yeah so so talking about the future then what's the plans for the company going forward so at the moment um we're really building that community with our customers I think for this business I think especially because it's a refill business where customers are are obviously coming back to us to refill the products I think there needs to be that extra layer of customer loyalty really and to get that customer loyalty we need to be completely honest transparent I know I keep saying that word but you know we need to have that transparency and we really need to work with our customers to develop to develop the the products that they want um, to keep them coming back so at the moment we're really kind of focused on um, how do we retain those customers you know how do we keep them happy what's the next step for developing products so we're basically putting out surveys all the time to really ask customers you know about everything to do with all the aspects of the business so for instance you know how, how would they like to shop for refills for example and you know really really building that community I think of, of customers at the moment is is my number one priority really 
think you'd have you'd ever have like a location where they can go and refill or again this is something i'm thinking about right now like is the future of to be a sustainable brand it's so hard to look at distribution really you know we had somebody from a very very large distributor contact us uh, last week wanting to stock our products and the first thing i asked them was well what's your sustainability credentials and tumbleweed i've literally not heard back <laughs> oh wow. yeah yeah basically so um you know if we are gonna work with a with a retailer then they need to share the same values as us and i think it's so important where we're going to be seen as a brand you know we don't want to you know couple up with a retailer that sells fast fashion you know yeah. the number one cause of pollution mm-hmm. in the world because it just goes against everything that we believe in as a brand yeah. so again it's it's kind of at the moment you know the brand's still in its very early stages we're really focusing on building that loyal community of followers and then I think it will gradually evolve. I do have some ideas about how I how it could work sustainably. Um, you know, is it like a franchise model? You know, where customers can actually distribute the products in their areas. Yeah. You know, to save on yeah. shipping costs, carbon emissions, things like that. Or is it a retailer? You know, is it mm-hmm. really pinpointing what those retailers' sustainability yeah. credentials are? Can we work together to make this better? You know, and and kind of have a a more sustainable working relationship. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. I've seen recently that Ecover have started building kind of like refill yeah. points into yeah. big supermarkets. And I yeah. Think stuff like that needs yeah. to be kind of more widespread. Yeah. That like every Tesco and every Sainsbury's, we can go in and just quickly fill up yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. Do you know, it's a really good point, actually. I think supermarkets are, are, are something interesting, actually, to consider because I think when you think about personal mm-hmm. care shopping, you know, you think of the usual stores that you would go in on the high street and supermarkets, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it has to be accessible and it has to be convenient for customers to adopt a sustainable model. Um, so I think that will influence our strategy greatly because I think for it to become mainstream, the supermarkets and things like that are definitely where the mainstream yeah. shoppers are. Def- Is that something that we consider? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm just kind of like thinking about testing the waters no, yes, yes. yeah <laughs> yeah definitely it's yeah like, it's like dating isn't it you need to pick out the right one yeah of course yeah of course exactly it's a great way to difficult yeah, totally. <laughs> oh you're going into like a long-term relationship if you yeah yeah true. And i think yeah. as well distributors are so far behind yeah they are um, yeah like they need to in their up. quantities and how yeah. they process orders mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i think hopefully by the time you've kind of built this strong community there will be a few distributors within the UK that can be like, oh, actually, well, we've done X, Y, and Z, so we've yeah. implemented the sustainable project. Let's go from here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there needs to be a big shift in the yeah. industry. <laughs> yeah, the does. We were saying, weren't we? Like the supply chain, really, the whole way back. I yeah. mean, it's you know speaking yeah. to manufacturers that want you to buy twenty five thousand units mm-hmm. of one product. And you're like, well, what if I only sell 1,000? Where where does that 24,000 go? And that's a general thing across beauty as a whole. And it always has been, you know, it's especially the makeup industry. It's very, very trend led. So, you know, brands will see a black lipstick on the catwalk and then decide to launch a black lipstick because it's been seen on the catwalk and the order 20,000 units, say, of this black lipstick. Uh, nobody's going to buy black lipstick. No, you know? not many people are wearing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a trend-based thing. But yeah. behind that trend is all this waste, you know? It's, it's, and it's, um, 
I've seen it, you know, with my own eyes, what happens to beauty products, you know, when you've got a thousand limited edition collections and, you know, you might get something that sells really well and then most of the products yeah. don't sell well. You know, they get sent back to the warehouse where they just sit there and then they're either sold to discount stores or they... Uh, just go to waste. Yeah, just go to waste. You I know, remember, so. I, like, I saw a glimpse... I used to work in Superdrug when I was a student and yeah. the amount of single-use plastic and everything there is just yeah. shocking. So I can only imagine... You know, like, that was one small store in Newcastle. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I mean if you think about scale. all the stores... Yeah. all the makeup counters mm-hmm. all the beauty counters you know it's it's i mean it's scarer you know yeah. it's, it's very overwhelming it's almost the same as the fashion industry then in the sense that yeah. what, it's like every four kind of there's four seasons so makeup yeah. looks are changing every four yeah. seasons yeah exactly and then yeah, yeah from season to season yeah. everything's going to waste mm, mm-hmm, yeah. can't say i've got on the black lipstick trend no it's, no, it's <laughs> not wasn't really behind that one no <laughs> Do you know what, actually, I do have a picture somewhere of me in a really dark lipstick. It wasn't black, (laughs) but, um, yeah, honestly, yeah. Right, okay, so let's go for some quickfire questions. So what inspires you to get up in the morning? Purpose. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, I really asked myself that question, like, recently, you know, what is it that, why am I actually doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, because actually, I asked I asked myself that question when I set this business up, and you know, I realised that if I was going to own a business, you know, it had to be a business that was inspiring change and contributing to the change, and not contributing to the problem. So, you know, there's a there's it's a purpose really to to really um, build a brand that that has value and mm-hmm. that customers see the value in what we're doing as a brand that it is really contributing to to a bigger change you know and that's definitely what what drives me you know it's uh making a product and and creating a brand that customers trust and um has i can't keep saying this word but you know has transparency, <laughs> transparency yeah. yeah yeah i think it transparency yeah. is the most important thing yeah now, yeah though. that leads quite nicely on um do you have a daily affirmation and if you do can you share it with us I always say to myself, start with a positive thought, one positive thought, because nothing can be achieved in negativity. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of, it, 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 it's all about your mindset though, isn't it? Because when it you is. think positively, you see things differently. 100%. 100%. And it's so hard to keep a positive mindset, but oh, yeah. you'll just notice your day just flows so much better if you and you know I have to really tell myself some mornings oh, right come on <laughs> be positive you know I mean I've I've lived long enough now to know that by being positive and starting your day positive you know your day just flows so much better you're much happier yeah. as a result it's something I literally try and hammer into myself every single morning it's good it's a good love job. yeah it's yeah definitely so I know you kind of mentioned about different female um, role models and inspiration. Is there one single person that is at the top? It's really hard, isn't it? Because no, not really. I think it's hard to pinpoint one specific woman mm. because I'll be honest, so many different women inspire me like on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, all the women that I'm meeting that are doing startups, you know, and, and developing businesses. You know, my sister inspires me on a daily basis. You know, she's a nurse she's just had a baby you know she's trying her best to kind of navigate motherhood and my friends inspire me on a daily basis with their daily struggles and yeah I wouldn't say I wouldn't pinpoint it to one one woman really 
combination. Combination. Yeah, definitely. Having a good girl gang, that's the Girl gang. Completely. Oh my gosh, it's true what they say, isn't it? You know, it, it actually is proven to make you live happier and, you know, a more productive, positive life, I think, if you're surrounded by a good group of girlfriends, yeah. Yeah. What do you wish you told your 15-year-old self? To stop worrying. I think I was a bit of a worrier growing up because, I don't know, I think you always think time is so limited when you're you're that age and that, you know, you've got to literally have everything figured out. Mm. And actually, I didn't have most things figured out until I was in my late 20s you know and I think to stop worrying as much work hard but still have fun I rebelled quite late actually I had quite a lot of fun in my early 20s really when I was 15 I was actually quite (laughs) studious you know studying for my uh, GCSEs and my A-levels but I was a worrier I do remember worrying quite a lot and also not to spend as much time on boys (laughs) <laughs> honestly, that is wrong, something we should all still be doing yeah but like the wrong men honestly at, yeah. the, at, the, at times in your life but yeah but the wrong the wrong men yeah just yeah. totally can throw you throw you yeah. off <laughs> i love that it's the best, that's the best bit um do you have any favorite books or podcasts yes so i from a beauty perspective breaking beauty is amazing basically every single beauty brand that's existed um not every single one but Uh, basically gives you the inside info on the founders and who built them and how they were built it's amazing and how I built this another great startup podcast yeah Um, and I think guilty pleasures I'm obsessed with uh, RuPaul's What the Tea with Michelle Visage (laughs) absolutely love that and Super Soul Sundays as well by Oprah quite like that oh, for a bit of a spiritual I didn't even know she listen. had one did you not no. oh my gosh it's amazing oh, I have to then. <laughs> it's really really good I mean some of them are a bit far out but um there's a lot of really really good kind of spiritual it. lessons and life lessons to be learned from those so yeah very interesting mm. so Thank what are your you. tips for how someone can create positive change in the world be an optimist not a pessimist basically um I think just approaching everything with a with a can-do mindset and a, and a mindset that you can make a change and believing in change I think is always the best way forward I really really do I think yeah I think that's key nowadays because it's Mm. so it's so upsetting to read the news and yeah I don't we're doomed yeah I don't watch the news I think the media I mean I think the media is is gradually losing quite a lot of power because the truth is is coming out you know we've got social media now and people are uh, I've got more of a voice yeah. and, a, and a speaking out, you know, for diversity and all these incredible issues. So I definitely think that the tr- if you want to find the truth, it is, it is out there more than ever right now. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's still important, I think, to approach everything with an optimistic mindset. That's a great note to end Love on. That. About it. <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you, Anna, for being uh, part of the She Loves podcast and for everything that you're doing with the Conscious Beauty Company to make the world a better place. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Would you just like to say where people can find you online, on social? Yeah, sure. So it's um, Instagram is at the cb.co, website cbc.co and my Instagram handle is Anna Priyadka. Amazing. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you. is produced by Vivolution and is hosted by Judy Nadell, Rachel Forsyth, Jenny Edwards and Lois Johnston. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and you can find us at weareshelovescom and on Instagram at weareshelovesc